Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about... John chapter 13. So I'd like to read it for us. If you have it uh, on, if you have a Bible here, if you have your phone, if you just want to listen to, you know, the words, you are welcome to. Okay. So it's John chapter 13, and we are continuing with a series about love, and it starts off, and this is what it says. It says, it was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said that not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So today's message, all that we're going to do is we're going to wash each other's feet. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I wish I'd, I'd organized somebody to, you know, come in with a bucket. That would have been impressive, don't you think? I would have loved to have seen, the, there we go. I would have loved to see the panic on all our faces going, which socks am I wearing? Is it the one with the hole or without the hole? Right? Um, so tell me this, this foot washing. I think we've all read the passage uh, we have all in some form be part of, what, are, what have your experiences been? Some stories, give me some stories. Ziggy, I see that hand. Yeah, thank you. You are so correct with that assessment. Very much. Just for the record, who's had their feet washed in, in this, this kind of thing? Okay. All right. So it is, it is quite a strange um, thing. I've done it. I've, I've washed my team's feet. Not this team. No, no. In South Africa. Uh, and I've had my feet washed. And, and what I realized um, is when I was younger, uh, I kind of took it out of perspective. 
So we were in, in um, I was on a youth group. We were sitting in Botswana. It was the final day of ministry. I have to talk like this to give you the picture. It was the final day of ministry. We were sitting around the fire. It was beautiful. We heard, I don't know, cows in the background. And we decided we as leaders need to wash our team's feet. And I remember looking up and just seeing us wash and, you know, the silhouette. And it was beautiful. And I got so caught up in the moment that I actually forgot what it was all about. Okay, and I think that when it's, um, I have no opinion about, about the feet washing, but when I look at what Jesus did to us, did for us, there's so much more than just the act of washing someone's feet. Because yes, it is very humbling, okay? And especially if someone's ticklish, then it's even better, okay? Because yeah, that, that is. And so washing feet is an incredible um, picture of what Jesus has done for us. So, so we're going to start off with having a look at, we're just going to go through this little passage verse by verse and have a look at what does Jesus want us to take out of this. All right, so we start off and, and it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. So Passover, what is Passover? Anybody? Can you tell I've been teaching all week? <laughs> Okay, so Passover, it was a, 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 a reminder of what had happened many years ago when uh, the Israelites had wanted to leave Egypt and, and God had said to them that you need to cover the, the doorpost with the blood of a lamb and that if you didn't do that, that the firstborn would be taken. Do you remember that story way back when? And so this was a reminder of what God had done for the people of Israel. Every year they would go and they would celebrate this. And so this is the background in which Jesus is doing this. He's had his ministry. He's, he's taught his disciples. He has shown them what he wants from them. And now it is reaching the final stage. I think this would be the equivalent of knowing that your life is coming to an end and the words that you speak to those around you. I remember when my uncle passed away many years ago from cancer, he gave me certain messages. He said, please tell this to my children. Please tell this. And... <clears throat> Yeah, many years ago. And, and there was weight to it because I knew these were his final words. And, and when I look at Jesus, I see that this is the picture he's showing. This, he knows that his life here is coming to an end. And so there's a weight, there's a gravitas. Good word, right? Cindy, good word. Thank you. Throw in a little bit of humor to get away from the tears. Always works. Okay. And so there was a gravitas to this moment. And that is the background of what's about to happen here. And so everything that Jesus is doing is with effect, with in mind that he is about to reach the purpose of his time here. We read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, You should have the same attitude towards one another that Christ Jesus had, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men and by sharing in human nature, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This was his whole mission. Verse 9 says, As a result, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and on under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this, sorry, I'm doing funny things here. So this is the background that we read the, this passage in. We read in verse 13, it says, um, I've now messed up my own thing here. What have I done? Okay, there we go. 
All right. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. All of this, the serving and, 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 and loving people, none of this would actually have any value if Jesus hadn't done it for us first. All right. That's, that's one of the many things that I, that I love about God is that, that he shows us how to do things. He shows us what he wants. He, he, he doesn't ask of us anything that he hasn't done himself already. Okay. And so we also see that it says, and now he loved them to the very end, his disciples. So here's a question. Does God love the world? Does God love everyone? Is everyone his child? Okay, so now, now we get interested. So what happens when you ask Jesus into your life? Become a child of God, right? So, so there's, there's a little bit of a separation. Yes, God loves everyone. Okay, yes, he does. It says, I mean, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? But what happens when we ask Jesus into our life? We step into a new relationship. We have a closer relationship. We become, as, as it says here, his very own. The relationship I have with Jesus is a little bit different to the relationship that somebody has with Jesus when they don't follow Jesus. And so that to me is just an incredible reminder that, that God has called us out. And he calls everyone out. But to those of us that have responded, there is a, a different relationship. That he has loved his disciples during this ministry on earth. And we read later on, he says that he, he does not leave us alone on this earth, thankfully. He sent his Holy Spirit, but we have a, a different relationship. Once you enter into that, that, that child relationship, it's an incredible journey on because it becomes very, very personal. We read in verse 2, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So on Friday, we had YWAP. And we had the seniors, and it's one of my, our favorite things, my favorite thing to do, is we have something called current affairs or current events. And, and what we do is that we just give the students the opportunity to ask questions. And it's, um, thankfully, we, I have a very strong team around me, so if I don't know the answer, I look at someone and go, Rico? You know, that's like your turn. <laughs> Tag you it. Um, and, and what I love about students is they will ask anything. And, and it's beautiful because I, I tell them, God is not scared of our questions. He's not like, oh, no, you asked the one question I didn't have an answer for. That's not God. And so we have these students asking the most incredible questions. Um, one was, uh, you know, the, the question of if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to eat from the, the fruit in the garden, why did he create it? You know, those, those kind of questions. And I, and I love that because it, it's also this, the, the question very often comes up, was Judas predestined? Did he have a choice in betraying Jesus? And I, and I love that because students, have, they ask honest questions. And we see here that it says here, the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. One of my favorite things to do, one day I'll probably get in trouble for it, but uh, when, when the students ask about free choice, is I go up to one of the students, normally the one who asks the question, I just flick them lightly on the head. And I go, oh no, I was forced to do that. And then they, because, you know, I don't have choice. And then they look at me and they say, what, what? And then I flick them again. I'm like, ah, oh, no, no choice. But, but the reality is, do you remember when, when um, Hansi Kronier, remember Hansi Kronier? When he said, the devil made me do it? Do you remember that? Satan made me do it? And we all kind of went, oh, okay, no, no. We, we get tempted. 
We do get tempted. But at the end of the day, the choice lies with us. And that's a reality. And so we see here that Judas was prompted, but nobody forced him to get up. And even though God knew this, doesn't mean that he forced it. There's, I read this beautiful article illustrating the difference between Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas both messed up. They both basically denied Jesus. But what did, Jesus, what did Peter do that was different to Judas? He returned. He repented. And we see that he is actually, uh, Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church, right? What did Judas do? He got stuck. He focused on himself and he didn't look at Jesus. He didn't see what Jesus was offering. And we see that he went out and that he actually committed suicide. In verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Have you ever had those moments where there's like chaos going around? It's normally like for me with family events. When there's chaos going around and there's laughter and there's movement and I kind of become still in myself, if that makes sense, and I look around and I just savor the moment. Have you ever had those moments? Kind of when you know that you are, it's kind of like the stillness of God in a, in a chaotic moment. We were uh, at the ballet this, this last week and there was a moment there with one of the dancers that we know that, that we knew that we were sitting in, in God's presence. And I think when, when, when this verse that says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God, I can only imagine Jesus sitting there, looking around at his disciples, knowing what's coming. They don't know. He's told them many times in different forms, but they still haven't figured it out. And he knows he is the Son of God, that God the Father has given him authority over everything. At that moment, in that time, there was nobody more powerful, more majestic on earth. And then what does it say? The next verse. So. Don't you love that word, so? It's kind of like, because of this, we're going to do this. So, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. He's just, we've just acknowledged that this is God in human flesh. And what happens? So he serves. Think about that. Think about how incredible that is. Whoever the most powerful man is on this world right now, man or woman, imagine if that person came in and decided that they were going to wash our feet. It would be very awkward. Very awkward. Okay? But here we have Jesus, the Son of God, recognizing his authority and serving. And not just serving. So I wanted to, but I decided it would be too gross, to get a, f a picture of, of dirty feet. You know the ones, have you ever gone camping and then you wear slops all day? Okay, and then it's hot. And then you get like the little, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know how it gets nasty. You know what I'm talking, come on guys. You know, it's because for us, I mean, we're wearing socks right now. Our feet are relatively clean. It's still early in the morning. But think about this. They've been walking through dust all day. Okay? These aren't clean feet that we're talking about. And in the, in the culture of the day, it wasn't even something that one friend did for another. Never. This was something a servant would do. Somebody that had hardly any rights. That's what they would do. They would wash your feet. And so here we have... God, Jesus, taking off his robe, taking off that, because he, he would have worn a robe like a rabbi, signaling his, his authority. And he takes off that robe, and he wraps a towel around his waist, 
and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. So the act of washing feet is already, like I say, for me is very uncomfortable. But now think about Jesus washing your feet. And, and, it's, and it's not about the washing of the feet, it's about the humility. It takes humility, like, like Ziggy said. It's very humbling to accept that. And so we see that, that Jesus starts doing something that the servant should have done. He gets down and he does that. Then he gets to my favorite person, Simon Peter. He says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Because he's, Peter's been with him. He's seen what Jesus has done with his hands. He's, he's made blind people see. He has, uh, you know, lame people walk. He has thrown out uh, demons. He has everything. He's seen what these hands can do. And now those very hands are now washing his feet. There's a, um, C.S. Lewis, he wrote a, a book or a bunch of books, uh, the Narnia series. Do you guys, are you familiar with it? And there's one, the, the uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And uh, the, the one guy, his name is Eustace. I don't know if you know Eustace. Yeah, he's the, he's the cousin, the, the pain in the behind cousin. And, um, and what happens is he, he takes some uh, gold that he's not supposed to and he puts it on his arm as a bracelet and then he becomes this dragon. Okay? And he can't, he can't get out of that uh, stage. And so this is, the, uh, this is the part where Eustace is telling uh, Edmund what happened because there's the lion, Aslan, who we know is a picture of Jesus. And, says, and he's telling this, and, and this is Eustace speaking to Edmund. And he goes, then the lion said, but I don't know if it spoke. You will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was nearly pretty desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone straight into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know, like if you've ever picked a scab of a sore place, it hurts like Billy O. Love it. But it is such fun to see it coming away. I know exactly what you mean, said Edmund. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off. And just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was, lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had ever been. And there I was, smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. And then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that very much, for I was very tender underneath now that I didn't have any skin on, and threw me into the water. It smarted like anything but only for a moment. And after that, it had become perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I'd found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why. I turned into a boy again. And so this is Peter going, no, no, you can't do this. You can't do this for me. You, the Messiah, you can't do this. And Jesus replies and he says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Who of you have experienced that in your life, that you don't have a clue what Jesus is doing? And you're like, so I know the Bible says that God's in control of anything, but it would be great if I could see it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's what Jesus says to Peter. He says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. So Peter, of course, good old Peter, he replies and he says, no, Peter protested. You will never, I love it, never, ever. You know, children, when they leave home because they're running away from home, I'm never, ever coming back. You know that one? Okay. So this is Peter. You will never, ever wash my feet. 
Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. Don't you love it? What does Peter say? He protested. He exclaims. What does Jesus do? He replies. One more of the most favorite things. I know that's not English, okay? One more of the most favoritest things about God for me is that he can handle my emotions. He can handle my exclamations and my protests. And he's very gentle and he's very kind. But it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Okay. Like the story of, of Eustace, you know, where it, where it goes deep that you think it's, you know, cutting to the heart. Jesus is gentle. There's that other line that I love. This is a C.S. Lewis morning, people, um, where they go, is, is um, Aslan good? No, no. What is Now I've lost the quote. Thank you. Where they go, is Aslan safe? And they reply, he's not safe, but he's good. And so following Jesus isn't safe. There's nothing safe about following Jesus. And so Peter says all of these things because he's not quite understanding what Jesus is showing him here. He's caught in the moment. He's looking at what's happening now. And, and that's what I love about Peter because I can identify so well with him. How often am I seeing just what's happening in this moment and I'm not seeing the big picture? And Jesus, Jesus just replies and he, and he gives him the answer. How incredible is that as an encouragement for each one of us? That those moments that we don't have a clue what Jesus is doing, and we're protesting about this and protesting about that, that Jesus actually has an answer for us. I think that's amazing. Verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? Can you imagine the silence? Have you, have you ever been in, in a meeting when there's something awkward happening, and all of a sudden everybody's making notes checking their phone because they don't want to make eye contact with whatever's happening. Can you imagine the silence after Jesus has now just washed everybody's feet? And he sits down and he asks them, do you understand what I was doing? John doesn't record that anybody actually answers. They know that whatever they answer, they're going to get it wrong. So let's have a look at what does verse 13 say. Verse 13 says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. I was in, in a, a youth program in Pretoria, and a lot of it, uh, it was a year program with, with training, and a lot of it first started off with understanding how much Jesus loves you, and understanding that God wants to be your father. And I remember this, this, this one lecturer came in, and he says, it's time to climb off the lap of your dad, and now see him as king. And I remember going, huh? And I realized that so often, uh, that, that has stuck for me, with me for like 20 years, because so often... We see God as Father, and that's incredible. But he's so much more than that. He's also the King of Kings. He's the great I Am, the Alpha, the Omega. And so we see here that Jesus doesn't, he, he says, I'm teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. He is Lord, and he is teacher. And then it says in verse six, uh, 16, uh, sorry, um, verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So what does that mean practically for us? Does that mean we go around uh, running around washing other people's feet? What does that mean? What does it mean to you to, to serve? 
So there's this quote about humility, and it says, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it is thinking about yourself less. Okay, let me read that again. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Very often we think humility means that you have to make yourself small. No, no, it's the opposite of that. Humility is lifting others up, putting them before yourselves. And so we see here that Jesus, Lord, says, this is what I want you to do because I have done this. So what does that look like for us practically? We don't live in a world where people walk around barefoot, most, most people. There are some, I admit that, but most people. So how do we love and how do we serve people? The thing that we all have at, at our disposal is time. I, I was listening to this, this uh, whole book, and uh, the guy made the statement. He says, uh, you have as much time as you want to use. So in other words, it's amazing how if I want to check my social media, I have time. But if I need to you know, finish some other assignment, oh, I'm just so busy. And at the end of the day, we have the same amount of time as the most productive person on earth. You know, and and he, sa he says it very bluntly. He says, stop making excuses. I'm like, but I want my excuses. I am busy. I'm as busy as I want to be. And I, it's all about priorities. And so what is the one thing that we all have? We all have time. And so uh, time is, I think, a more precious commodity than even money at days or anything else because time is the one thing you can never get back. Once it is gone, it is gone. And so how can we love and serve people? Without time. That is a, that is a big one. That is, a, that is something that we have that is at our discretion. And I'm not talking that you need to have you know, a two-hour coffee with someone. It's maybe taking a moment to send somebody a message saying, hey, I'm thinking about you, praying for you, how's your day going? It's um, making a time together to, to actually attend a Bible study. I've been convicted about that recently is that things have been so busy, and I've, I've even been busy about, you know, things of God, but that I haven't made time, as much time as I should have, to actually allow Him to, to fill me, and that I cannot operate from empty. Okay, so the only way we can operate is from knowing and understanding the love of God and then going out from there. If you do it on your own, you will burn out. There's no two ways about it. None of us on our own can ever love people uh, as God would love, want us to love them without His help and without His grace. Okay, so time. What else do we have? I read an interesting article again. It says we have influence. Think about your sphere of influence. In this room, just from people I know, we can reach, I think, with half the city. We have influence. You have influence that I don't have. You have access to people that I don't have. And God gives each one of us that access for a reason. As we were talking to uh, the, the seniors on, on um, Friday night, and, and they were going, what's the point of everything? You know, like, can't I just live my life and then just right at the end of it, uh, ask Jesus, you know, to come into my heart and then, then go to heaven. Heaven is the reward to me. That's the reward. Our purpose on this world is to, to get others to be part of this, this incredible journey of walking with Jesus. That's our purpose. And so God has given you influence. And I'm not talking about being weird. Okay, you know, sometimes we can be weird. You know, and so, uh, that sounds wrong. Um, to be practical. To be practical. So if, you, if there is somebody that is hurting, to not just go, oh, I will pray for you and bless you. Actually do something. You know what I'm saying? Is that, that loving people is, is a practical thing. 
And, and you have influence with, with many people where it can be, be beyond your words. You know that saying, uh, spread the gospel, use words if necessary? You know that saying? I, I don't think it's a very accurate saying. Because God actually calls us to speak. God actually, and, and I know some amazing people that are absolutely incredible, have got the best uh, character, uh, honest, loving, but they don't know Jesus. So if I look at their life, I go, that's an incredible life. But there needs to be sharing. We need to be speaking about Jesus. And so when Jesus says, as I've given you an example to follow, do as I have done to you, it's about actions and it's about speaking. And that's an incredible journey to be invited on. In verse 16, it says, I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Very often, we walk through this Christian world thinking that when I become a believer, it means I'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'm still waiting for the wise part for me. But I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see that we have a guarantee of healthy. Lazarus still died. Okay. Uh, wealthy, I see Paul speaking about that he knows what it is to be, have much, but also to have nothing. And wise, I don't know. Don't know about that one. But there's no promise in Scripture that everything is going to go well. What is the promise that he gives us? He says, when you go through suffering, I'll be there. And so when it says that slaves are not greater than the master, remember our master is Jesus who died on a cross. That's who our master is. God the Father who sent his son to die for us. Thankfully, none of us, as far as I'm aware, have been asked to die for our faith yet. But that is what Jesus did. He's our master. That's what he showed. And so when I, in my own life, when I go through suffering, I'm going, why, God, why? God says, you know, you're following me. Take up your cross. And then when I put that into the right perspective, then I understand what God wants me to do with my life, is that in the midst of great suffering, to show him to others. This last verse. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. One more thing I love about God. He actually has the right to tell us just to do it. But what does he say there? There will be a blessing. How incredible that there's actually a blessing for obeying God. And, and we must never, ever forget that. That God asks us to do these things. He enables us, plus there's a blessing. So you know Peanuts, um, the cartoon? Peanuts? And, and Linus? I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. I think that's pretty accurate, right? I, feel, I promise you I walk away from listening to a sermon or podcast about loving Jesus, and I'm like, yes, I mean loving people. I'm like, I'm going to love everyone. Why are you coming so close to my window? You know that one? And when you stop at the stop street, I'm like, I'm going to love people. I'm going to, you know, take care of them. Stop harassing me. You know, that kind of stuff. Or, or at work, you know, where you go, I'm just, you know, Jesus calls us to love. This person is so irritating. Yeah. Family members, family members. Jesus loved me. I'm going to love others. But if my mother-in-law does this thing one more time, so I think, I think that's an incredible, um, I love that cartoon because it's very accurate. We read later on in, in John chapter 13, verse 34. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. 
just as I has mm, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Uh, when they asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment, what did he answer? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, your mind, soul, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. So this is now at the end of his ministry. What do we see has changed? So we see that was towards the beginning of his ministry. Now he says, this, love each other. Cool, we've got that. Just as I have loved you. Okay, so now it's different. Okay, because what was it first? Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as you love self. But now it's changed. Now it's as I have loved you, you should love each other. And it's not your neighbor anymore. It's everyone. And that's what he leaves us with. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Unfortunately, throughout the world, churches are more known for their infighting than for the way they love each other. Would you say that's an accurate statement? Amongst denominations, across denominations, we are more known for nitpicking on the small things than we are known for loving each other. There's a reason why so much of the New Testament is about how we should love each other and how we should get along. I always think, so I don't know if, if some of you were on the, uh, the prayer group, we had some uh, people, I think from Nigeria, yes, Nigeria, who joined our prayer group and then started contacting people on the prayer group asking, you know, if they wanted to make money. We found out about it and we took them off. But there, there were people that, you know, uh, I've been on groups like that where, where I said, I'm going, I'm out of there. I'm thinking, how does Satan work so well, you know? And, and this is the thing, guys. We need to be purposeful about loving each other. It's not something that will happen accidentally. I hope, you know, every day I get to the end of the day and go, sure, I hope I worked on my fitness today. Somehow it doesn't work that way. You actually, it, t it turns out to get fit, you actually have to do exercise. You actually have to be purposeful. I was just thinking walking around the day and then measuring it on my watch would work. But no, it takes more than that. And so we have to be purposeful about loving people. And not just loving those that are easy to love. The Bible actually says, what is it to love those who love you? It's very easy. I've got people that love me. It's easy to love them back. I've got people that don't love me. A little bit harder. So practically, what are we going to do? What are some of the things that we can do? And this is where I open it to the floor. One of the things uh, that we can do is actually to pray for that person. I think I've shared this story before. Many years ago, I was in a meeting, uh, and the person next to me had done something very irritating, and I was so, so, so irritated at them. And then the person leading the meeting said, let's pray for the person on our right. And I'm like, I'm like, Lord, thank you that they're alive. Amen. No, that's not what I did. But, <laughs> but very quickly, I had to change. Because my emotions, now I'm speaking to God about this person. You know, I now need to come right here. And just by, by that, that uh, being forced to pray for the person next to me, my heart started changing. So one of the things you can do is imagine in your mind right now the person that irritates you the most. Okay, have you got that person? I see some of you are looking out the window, it's hilarious. Um, and ask yourself, how can you pray for that person? Okay, that's one thing we can do. Okay. What else can we do? Yes, Siggy. 
Very much so. Very much so. Because realistically, very often our situations in life won't change. Realistically, it's our heart that needs to change. Um, it would be great if we could change the people to the way we want them, but that's not the way it works. And who says the way we want them is the way they should be, the way that God has made them to be? Anything else? What else can we do? Come, guys. Church needs to be practical. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. To forgive before an apology comes. I've shared this story before. My sister had a boyfriend who crashed my mother's car, made me very, 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 very angry. I was driving that car after he crashed it, and every time there'd be like a little rattle or something, I'd get so mad. I would get so mad. I wanted to you know, go and find him and beat him up until the day I realized he doesn't even think of me. He doesn't even think of the car or anything else. Why am I allowing this person that I don't even know where he is to impact my day, to ruin my day? And that was the moment I realized I needed to forgive him, not for his sake, but so that I could live in peace and to go where God wants me to go. So to forgive people without them asking. Yes, deviate. <laughs> for those of you that did not hear, deviate says, help them carry chairs. And that is a picture of, no, I'm kidding. So <laughs> don't worry, the chairs can stay here. But yes, that is one way. And I'm not asking you to serve only in this church. But we have got different things that need to be done in the church. We've got Sunday school, we've got sound, we've got visuals, we've got coffee. The hall needs to be set up, the hall needs to be broken down. All of this happens so that we can gather together as a church. But it's, this isn't the only place that we call to serve, that we call to, to love people. Ask, ask God about your finances. Okay? Ask him what are you supposed to do. Dana always says that, that God asked her to be a, a conduit, to always hand, hold her hand open. So money would come in and money would go out. The moment she did this, then it would stop. And so I've also in my life realized whenever I need money, God doesn't say, here's 5,000 bucks. He says, here's an opportunity to work for $5,000. And I go, oh, fine. No, but that's, that's maturity. Knowing that God isn't just going to give you money, he's actually going to give you the opportunity to work. But he's also asking us to help those that, that are in need. And we know in this country, we have a lot of need. What else? Yes. Joy. Thank you. Have you noticed that everything that's come out has got to do with us? So to love people practically, make sure that you are in the right place, spiritually and emotionally, to love people practically. Once we have that right, everything else comes. So just to, in, in closing, just this last verse. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. What an incredible promise that he loves us first. And from that, we go out. We're just the expansion of what he's already done for us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I, I thank you um, for a time of, of gathering around your word and, and discovering new things about you. Lord, I thank you for this church family. 
Lord, I, I know that, that each one of us is on a, on a different path, heading in the same direction, but that we all are facing different struggles and different victories, and yet you are with us, each one of us. Lord, I pray that you uh, remind us how to love people practically, how to reach out to those that, that might be a little bit difficult to love. Lord, I, I thank you that you show us how to do that, uh, and not only do you show us, but you actually enable us to step outside of ourselves. So Lord, I pray that as each one of us goes throughout our week, facing um, so many people and so many challenges, that you will shine so brightly in our lives, that we will love uh, beyond what we can do in our natural, that we can just uh, reach out to people and show them your love, that they will know without a shadow of a doubt that they are being loved by, by you. So Lord, I thank you for this morning, and I commit the rest of this week to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.